Coming up, why you really have tension with your boss. What's the cause of this tension? And then what you can do about it and why you should do something about it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Helping you win at work in your work life so that you're not dragging that into your life. More money, more meaning is our goal. So let's talk about a natural existing tension that exists between you and your boss, and it has nothing to do this natural tension, this pre-existing tension. How about that? I just made that phrase up. You know, like the doctors and healthcare is like pre-existing condition. I think of this tension between you and your leader as a pre-existing condition. It just is the nature of you are my leader. We're going to unpack this and then show you how if you don't figure out how to manage your leader and manage this tension, how it can turn into a spiraling effect. So what is this pre-existing condition or this pre-existing tension with your boss? Well, here it is. At a baseline, the relationship between your boss and you is transactional. That's where it starts. Just by nature of you are my authority, right? You're my boss. You have the power to Hire me, uh, dock me pay, which is a form of punishment, strip duties from me, and fire me. This is what I'm talking about when I say base level authority. It's transactional. There's no relationship here. We've just started. So the minute we walk in the door, our relationship with our leader, our boss, is transactional. Unfortunately, most relationships in the workplace stay at this level. Throughout your time, it never gets beyond this transactional relationship. And here's what happens. If your leader and you don't recognize this and then get beyond the transactional nature of relationship, here's what happens. It ends up yielding disappointment, unmet expectations, and resentment. And so it makes your work experience less than And most of the time leads to you moving on. So while I'm speaking to those of you who have a leader, this is also for those of you that that are leaders who have a leader. This is not just for you in in working and, 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 and relating with your leader, but also how you relate with the people that you lead. So here we go. I, I've got a personal story I'll open up with. And, 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 and as I was thinking about today's teaching, I thought, you know what, I'm going to share from my past when I had a not so very good relationship with a leader who was very transactional, like hyper transactional. I'll give you an example. To shorten the entire three-year relationship, the only time that my leader had a legit conversation with me, okay, was when he was telling me something we had to do, new initiative, or something we had to fix. So maybe we weren't hitting our goals, or, um, hey, we got a problem over here, I need you to come in and and help fix this, or need your input on this, or, hey, a reminder that it it was all just new initiative, or we have a problem. So it was, this is how I wrote down, it was, 
He only talked to me when it was, I need this or you need to fix this. So the problem is, is when the entire relationship is around the tension with, I need this, that's an expectation. I need you to fix this. That's some pressure. Then the only emotion attached to those type of dialogues is stress. Think about it. If I were going to use the analogy of it's like the only time you hear them talk to you, there was an alarm going off behind them. You know? So what was missing? Just on the surface? Hey, great job. Great job. You're doing great. How's Stacy doing? How the kids? I'm not going to keep going deeper down this rabbit hole, but what's missing here is the personal dialogue. We don't have to be best friends. He doesn't need to invite me on vacation. This dude never talked to me about anything but work. And when we talked about work, it was only in the context of something new I need, need this, or fix this. Now that wears on you pretty quick, yes? So why is it that most leaders get stuck at that transactional level? Because that's the only thing giving them authority. And they know it. The only thing that gives them authority is their position over you. And that's what essentially most leaders do because that's what they've been taught. That's what's been modeled to them. So they think, all right, I was this yesterday. Six weeks from now, they're going to put me into management. All right. What do I know about management? Nothing. What am I going to do about management? I'm going to tell these people what to do and I got to hold them accountable. And see, that's very transactional. Leading from a position means that people only follow you because they have to. Think about it. The only reason they do what you tell them to do is because they have to or you will punish them or fire them. So my friend John Maxwell, a well-known leadership guru, I had the extreme privilege to work for John for, for a few years. And he wrote a book that I think is, if you were in a leadership position uh, or you're not in a leadership position, but you maybe aspire to one day, you should make mandatory reading for you, developing the leader within you, or uh, I think it may have been retitled in years uh, after that first release as the five levels of leadership. But he calls this leadership level that I'm talking about, this positional leadership where it's authority transaction-based only, he calls that level one. And it goes up three, four, and five. And he talks about this is the this is the base level. People only follow you because they have to. But you'll never be able to lead to the next level or your leader will never get beyond transaction if they don't understand the power of relationship that has nothing to do with what you do for me or what you can do one day for me. You know, it, it, it has to be relational. It can't just be transactional. In other words, you are not a unit of production. You are a person who is a member of a team. 
So if you want change to occur, you're going, I don't think that I'm supposed to leave. I don't think it's time to leave. It's not that bad. But can I I I acknowledge and recognize I'm 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 understanding what you're saying here, but what can I do? Um, you have to first understand that you have to take some responsibility here. Because if your leader doesn't know how to do this, it's not being modeled, it's not being trained, then you have to start to move beyond transaction as it relates to how you interact with the leader. So leading up here, leading by example, how do we do it? I'm going to tell you specifically next. Don't move. All right, so here's the question I I have put before you. If you have a leader that is very transactional in how they interact with you, meaning there's not much personal going on at all. It's just do this, fix this. And you feel like, well, I certainly would like that relationship to be so much more. You know, I'd like them to trust me. I'd like them to give me more freedom and autonomy. Well, that's what everybody wants. But but Ken, they they are that transactional leader. What can I do? I mean, thanks, dude. You, you just pointed it out. You made me more stressed. Well, no, hold on. I think you can do something about it. Let me put it this way. I think it's possible for you to lead up in a situation like this where you have a very transactional leader. They're not very relational at all. Uh, they're just the facts, and they don't treat you like a you know, like a, like a human all the time, you're a unit of production. Now that doesn't mean they're unkind. It doesn't mean that they're a jerk. It just means that that's just kind of how they've been taught or that's what they know. Now, how do we, how do we do this? So the first thing is, is for you to help your leader move from transactional to relational, you've got to add some value to them beyond just doing what they expect you to do. Okay, so at its base, let's just look at the fundamental relationship with your leader. They hire you to do a job, and hopefully you've got very clear expectations on what you are supposed to do. All right, this is what we want you to do. This is how we want you to do it, and this is when we want you to do it. So so hopefully we know that. Let's assume that we have that. Okay, the transactional nature is, is that all communication is just around those expectations, nothing more, nothing less. You don't feel like there's any real connection there and thus your trust in them is limited and their trust in you is limited okay that's what i want you to do do your job okay great see you see you when we get your annual review right you've got to take some responsibility here and say i'm one half of the relationship so how can i lead up and create less transactional interaction and more relational connection. And here's how you do it. Look for ways to add value beyond the job description. How do you do that, Ken? Good question. (laughs) If you don't have a one-on-one with your boss, ask for one. Don't just assume that because they don't do one-on-ones that they're adverse to doing it. 
Don't just assume that maybe if they are adverse to doing a one-on-one, if you ask for a one-on-one, they might do it. They might be a, a person who is, again, hasn't been trained in leadership, doesn't have a lot of experience, and yet they don't like a lot of confrontation, so they'd rather say yes to you than no to the one-on-one. It's kind of like those girls that would always say yes to me for one date, but date two, they always came up with all these ridiculous excuses. And now I know we just don't like confrontation. So what does a girl say? Will you go out with me? Yes. Okay, great. I really enjoyed it. You want to go out next week? Well, I think I'm washing my hair. Oh, okay. All right. Some girls out in the lobby, they know. They're very sweet. Men, we're, we're, men are just, you know, well, we're idiots, we're insensitive, and we'll just say dumb things. We don't mind, you know, stepping right into it. Women, they try to soften the blow, okay? And so it's it's possible that your leader might say yes to this weekly one-on-one just because they don't want to say no. Okay, great. So now we're in there. All right, so we've got the one-on-one. And, and here's what I want you to do. And, and, and this teaching, by the way, applies to maybe it's not a one-on-one, maybe it's the occasional lunch. Hey, you want to go to lunch? Well, they got to get lunch. Make the first 10 minutes of the one-on-one or first five minutes. I don't care. This is just just whatever you want to do here. But make the first few minutes of the lunch uh, or the one-on-one about them. Just be interested in them. Look for opportunities to just connect with them on a personal level. Right? Maybe their kid plays soccer and you realize that your kid played in that same league or... We're just looking for some connection points to just be humans. The best way to become interesting to anyone that you would like to become interesting to is to be interested in them. Now, this is great dating advice. Hey, guys, you want a, you want a woman to be interested in you? Try being interested in them. And I don't mean interested in, like, you're creepy, stalking them. Okay, none of that, guys. Hello. I mean, like, instead of asking her out, why don't you ask her about herself? She might think you're ugly at first, but after a couple conversations, she kind of goes, well, you're bearable. And she might actually like you. If anybody's seen my wife, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Stacy. I don't belong with my wife. She's much prettier and much nicer and much more amazing. But this will work with your leader. Just little stuff. It doesn't have to be deep. You don't have to say, will you be my friend? No, we're just talking about be interested in your leader on a personal level, and they will become interested in you, and we'll find some connection points. And what we're doing here is we're going beyond the transactional relationship immediately. And if we repeat this process, yes, they are your leader, Yes, they will still tell you to do things. You've got to do this. But the relationship now has a personal connection attached to it. And so the way they communicate to you, the way you will be able to communicate with them will change dramatically. Now, over time, and you must be consistently doing this in interactions with them. And what will happen is as the connection grows, watch this, so does the trust. You want to be more trustworthy? You want people to trust you more? Start with being more likable. The more I like you, the more I trust you. It, it, it's just it's just a fact. 
They may have no evidence by which they could trust you, but how many of you in the workplace have seen one of your coworkers get an opportunity to do a project that you know they're not good enough to do and they they didn't earn it necessarily with their merit, but their boss liked them or your boss likes them more than they like you? It happens. Relationships sometimes fosters trust to where like your leader, if it's you versus a colleague and you both want the promotion, I got news for you. If you were up for a promotion and you are competing against a colleague and they have a stronger relationship, whatever that means, than you do, I got bad news for you. You are probably not going to get the gig. This is this is just human relationship 101. All right. So as I'm building trust with my leader, the transactional nature of our relationship is just slowly, slowly going down. And now we are truly relating, communicating, connecting. Trust is up there. And so then here's what you do. As they begin to share with you where they're stressed out, challenges that they're having, this is where you look for an opportunity now that you've built trust and you say to them, hey, I'll help out here. Give me some of that. I'll do that. Now we're talking about game changer because now they go, hey, the team member that I'm leading is actually for me. I want to be for them. And this is where trust turns into loyalty. Remember this. <laughs> this is so silly to say, but I think I have to say it. Remember, folks, your leaders, your bosses are people too. <laughs> but but we, and I, I know you know that, but what happens is, is and I, I don't know if it's because of the media or social media or just uh, decades and decades of just poor leadership, because, you know, we, we, we teach kids history and science and math, but you know what we don't teach on the same level as we do all those core classes is leadership. It's a skill. So <laughs> we think sometimes that the boss is always against us and that they're taking the position of the company. And sometimes that's true. But we can lead up. And if you've got a transactional leader who's never been trained on this and doesn't even know what he or she is doing, this right here is how you do it. Now, why does all of this matter? Because sometimes you leading up is the key to you moving forward. Hey, if this show is encouraging you, equipping you, would you help us by sharing that and letting people know? Here's how you do it. If you're watching via YouTube, like the video that you're watching. Subscribe if you haven't. And if you watch something that touches you, connects to you, challenges you, send it to somebody that you think uh, might also get that result by sharing. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, uh, would you follow us? And give us a five-star review and, again, share uh, something you believe will help someone else. Thank you, by the way. I want to help as many people as possible win in their work life. My goodness. All right, Valerie's up in Atlanta, Georgia. Valerie on the Ken Coleman Show. 
Thank you so much for having me on the show, Ken. Um, I'm very grateful. Um, You're welcome. I've been struggling, terribly struggling. Um, don't want to get too emotional. Brief synopsis. I had a horrific accident four years ago, traumatic brain injury, stage four concussion. Oh, my gosh. Seven broken ribs, collapsed perforated lung, had to learn to walk again. Wow. Um, when I came home, I was in the ICU, and I was actually in the Netherlands when this happened. So I was there for almost a month. When I came home, I was faced with all the medical bills because I didn't know insurance didn't pay for all that when you're out of the country. Long story short, um, I lost my job. I lost all my savings, everything. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm sorry. Been, thank you. 58 years old, trying to recover from this. And four years later, I, you know, have been able to get side hustle jobs, like, you know, driving for Uber or something of that nature. Uh-huh. I did land a job at a big box. I'm making $16 an hour. Um, 25 years of project management experience. Uh, have interviewed for some jobs in construction, by the way, in land, land development, real estate. Um, and I'm desperate. Um, I've, I've lost everything and I'm, I'm, you know, of course, living paycheck to paycheck in debt up to my eyeballs, $16 an hour going yeah. from six figures. And I just don't know where to turn. So I don't know why I'm being passed over when I'm interviewed. So mm. that's okay. one question is, you Go know, ahead. about being passed over yeah. and, um, and then just how do I get back yeah. to using my 25 years of experience to make the six figures again? I just don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, I think you're facing what is very, very normal in a situation like this is a tremendous amount of confusion because of what happened to you. The debt is just just weighing on you so heavily. And I think you're a little bit... Uh, I think you're a little bit discouraged, and I would be as well. And so I want to just point that out, that that's natural and that's okay. Um, At the surface of what I'm hearing, you've got a lot of project management experience. You live in a very, very good job economy as it relates to a metropolitan area, and just you look at the massive area of Atlanta. And I think project management for you, the skills and experience that you have – shouldn't limit you to just the construction industry. So two quick pieces of of advice pop up to me. One, we need to expand our horizons as to where we're looking for project management jobs, first and foremost. Secondly, we really need to do our best to work harder on our connections to these jobs than just filling out the resume and getting to the point of interview because you're being passed over not because uh, of anything you've done wrong. It's just, and again, without me knowing anything, whoever's deciding believes there's a better candidate. So we need to start to stack the odds in our favor. And the way we do that is, is we want to win jobs before they even go to everybody else. Is what I'm. Is what you need to start to do. And 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 what I mean by that is, is your circle of connections should be where you are looking for opportunities, where we find them and we seize them because you are so highly recommended or you're almost ushered into the position. I think that's what your strategy ought to be right now. So I want to stop for a second and make sure you understand what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I've done networking. Um, I've been to um, several events, both, and, and yes, I've reached out to others as well, you know, in my circle of friends. 
to see if they know of anything available. But yes, sir, I do completely understand. I've been going to networking events. I think networking um, events are fine, but I, 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 to me, that's a secondary strategy. Uh, your primary strategy is I'm looking for friends. Yes, and acquaintances. And you've got to have the same urgency by which you called me today. You got to go to your friends and family and go, look, I need, I'm discouraged right now. That's what, that's what acquaintances, true friends, people that you could be really go, listen, I'm discouraged. Now, if I look at my body of work and I were to write out a one page job description of everything a project manager can do, by the way, you might should do that. You, you might should take some inventory. If I had time with you and if I was sitting with you today for an hour and I was coaching you in a private session, the first thing we would do right now, and this is your homework assignment is I would quiz you until I had a half to full page of skills. That would be hard skills and soft skills. Those are people skills. And, and then uh, another list of experiences and all the different types of work you've done in your 25 years. And, and that's your homework assignment. Because why I would do that is because now we've got to expand our opportunity field. And when someone's discouraged, one of the best things that you can do is create some optimism through clarity. And when you begin to go, wait a second. On paper, there's probably a thousand jobs that are open in the Atlanta area right now that I'm qualified for. On paper, meaning... What they've got in the job description, I've got the skills plus the experience to do. Now, is the title project management? Is it in construction? No, not all of them. But for you to see how broad your opportunity is, to be clear on that, will then give you the confidence that you need to step back out and keep going. And I that is the most important thing you can do right now, and to the extent that you've got a really good friend or spouse or someone who will sit with you and go through that exercise, and then you begin to look at the job landscape in the greater Atlanta area, and you start to go, wait a second, I've been in project management, but a good project manager could be a great office manager. A good project manager could be a trainer. A good project manager could be, and we go down the list, down the list, down the list, down the list, down the list. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, that's an amazing and great idea. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that. You just need a jolt of confidence, my dear friend. And you're not you're too right. old. I do. I know. I'm so sorry. I wish I could reach through the phone and hug you right now. And, and, and I need that. Thank I know. You. I'm trying. I'm trying to give you a hug. And And, and, and here's what I want you to hear. I gave you some practical stuff. I think you're going to see opportunities, and, and I'm going to give you everything I've got. All right, I'm going to give you my assessment, the Get Clear assessment. I'm going to give you From Paycheck to Purpose, my number one best-selling book. I'm going to give you The Proximity Principle, my number one best-selling book. Okay, and and oh, here's I want you listen, just get yourself in there, and you just hear my voice. If you want the audio books, I'll give you the audio. If you want the the eBooks, I'll give you the eBook. If you want the the written, the physical book, I'll give it to you. But here's what I want you to picture. That I'm cheering you on the whole way. And that I gave you just one simple idea that you go, you know what? That's what I needed. And 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 let me tell you something. The job economy right now is hot. And what you're dealing with is you have been through unbelievable physical, 
emotional and mental stress due to that accident that rocked your world financially. It rocked your world professionally, physically. I mean, it's just, but you're still here. And you've managed to stay above the water. And I'm going to also give you, I want to put her into Financial Peace University for free, my gift. I want you to get in a class in the Atlanta area, find a way. Also, I'm also going to give you a free session with one of our financial coaches. Because I want oh, one of, wow. yes, listen, I want one of our financial Thank coaches you. to get your nose above water right now. Like we, we got to gig it and we're going to work hard and Uber and do whatever we can. Go get a $20 hour job until we find this project management job. But I want one of our financial coaches to walk you through that as well. But listen to me, Valerie, you can get there. You have survived so much. The best is actually yet to be. You've been through the worst. I'm proud of you, Valerie. You got this. Hang on the line. I'm getting you a bunch of goodies. Go, go, go. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.